and I didn't want anyone to know what I was doing because it was obviously I knew the shame attached to it and I knew what I was doing but it made me feel better and that was the one time that I had something for me and then I just hide the fact that I'd done it. Losing weight isn't easy and some days we can feel like we need some extra help. Welcome to the Weight Loss Warrior podcast, the show where we share inspiring real life success stories from normal everyday people like you and I. Listen to how each of our guests managed to overcome their personal challenges to lose the weight they wanted as they talk about the secrets to their success and give great advice that you can benefit from. Become part of our tribe and use the Weight Loss Warrior podcast as your source of motivation and support to help you on your weight loss transformation. And now your host and friend, Carl Radley. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Weight Loss Warrior podcast, the show where we celebrate weight loss success stories from people all over the world. Today, my special guest is joining me from Cheshire. Her name is Holly, and she has lost weight following the one-to-one diet. Holly, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a absolute pleasure as always you know I'm, I'm always very thankful to to every single guest who takes their time to to join me on the show and tell me about their journey now your journey holly you, you've followed the one-to-one diet and in a short amount of time have lost an incredible amount of weight five and a half stone so congratulations on that i'm really excited to, to hear more about that and also to find out more about the one-to-one plan because this is something that on the podcast we haven't spoken about in great detail. I've only had one episode, I think, with one special guest, Lucy, who, who joined me to talk about her journey. So it'd definitely be interesting to hear another person's experience. Also, now the fact that you're maintaining that weight loss, how that's going for you. But before we get into that, Holly, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I'm a mid-30-year-old mum of one um, I'm a full-time teacher um, I yeah I just used to be that person who was really out there and outgoing and um, I'm a drama well was a drama teacher so that was my background and that sort of changed after having a child and um, you change in general when becoming a parent but that was what mainly changed with me but that's kind of it in a nutshell okay and so and definitely just going back to that comment I I, I think everybody changes when you become a parent and that's that's not optional um just just you know <laughs> certain things happen but you have to adapt and overcome and um don't get me wrong I absolutely love being a dad but yeah it's it's definitely a new chapter um and quite a daunting one in some stages for me it's sleep deprivation that took the hard you know the longest to to get over um but you but you said that that was a change for you so previous and, and like prior to to becoming a mum was your weight something you, you had issues with or had it been part of your life um i think yeah so i'm small for many five foot so from a young age, I was always kind of chubby and I'd always de- be described like having puppy fat and I wasn't like your slender child. Um, into my teens as well, I was very aware of being a bit on the heavier side. I wasn't um, really big, but I was a 
definitely more describe it as chubby um until about 16 17 I started to lose weight and then definitely into my early teens at university just changes everything because you don't eat you drink instead and um, I lost a lot of weight then and got down until I was about 21 I got down to nine and a half stone which was at my like lowest kind of weight but I was um I wasn't going out and eating or anything like that I was doing boot camp four times a week but this was a new thing for me and this kind of like new weight new image um and that all changed when I was 22 and I lost my mum and that was kind of a real turning point in um gaining that weight that I'd fought so hard to get off um just kind of started creeping back sounds as though it must have been a difficult time for you Holly I'm sorry and if I can ask obviously prior to that happening when you were 22 and and being down at nine and a half stone was this a were you happy then like obviously having lost weight and and being at a weight that for you was you know the lowest you'd been and having obviously lived with the comments about the puppy fat and everything growing up as a child was this a, a weight you were happy with I think I I was more confident with it but I wouldn't probably wouldn't describe it as happy at the time because I definitely think I kind of battled with ideas of body dysmorphia that I was still that kind of puppy fat I still had that area around my tummy and I don't think I properly saw the change in me um probably because I just wanted more um I think that comes from my BMI to be honest um because I'm only five foot it actually says that I'm to be between um six and a half and nine stone so in my head well I'm still overweight because I'm technically classed as overweight on BMI. So I think that wasn't necessarily a happy time. It was like a more confident time. Um, But I was doing an awful lot to try and maintain that. I was, like I said, boot camp four times a week. I was on um, very low calories and working long hours and not eating um, an awful lot. So it wasn't happy. It was definitely a bit more finding myself again and and that's actually the reason I asked because just hearing you describe that Holly in Mm. in the way that you said that you know you you were maintaining a very vigorous gym routine and that was the the weight that you got down to there was just something in the way that you explained it that sounded like you were you were battling rather than enjoying being at that weight and it was something that you were perhaps whether emotionally or, or physically but but fighting against yeah, completely. I think it was trying to get rid of that label of the chubby one and um, it was something that I was now secure in my early 20s that I could control. Um, and there were a lot of like factors that I couldn't control, but that was something that I could. And um, there's, definite a pre- um, there's a definite pressure in the early 20s to be like the best version of you physically as well, I think um completely agree so I kind of was fighting against that in a way and then all of a sudden something drastic changes and then it puts things into perspective 
Of course. And and you said obviously after that happening, but you you started gaining weight. And and was the weight gain something that happened gradually, or or did it happen to you quite quickly? Um, it it was more gradual. Um, and at the same time as um my mum passing, I met my now husband. So there's that that kind of like honeymoon period where you're constantly going out for meals and things like that. Um, And tied in with comfort eating, um, that was kind of a factor. Um, And it was more gradual. So I got up to about, from about an 8, 10 to a decent, like a 12, 14 probably, um, where I kind of sat for a bit. Um, and then it, it was then after my daughter that everything changed and it just kind of heavily piled on them. Okay. And, and I can imagine as well, remembering some previous guests who uh, are also quite small in frame and, and like shorter, you feel quite often that it's more noticeable to somebody in terms you know, if you compare yourself to someone, I don't know, like myself, who's six foot tall a lot of people believe when they're taller they're able to carry the weight it's less evident when you maybe gain a few pounds because you have the height kind of distributes it more evenly whereas if you are um, you know more petite or shorter it's more noticeable was was that true in your case or at least how what, you felt yeah 100 percent um and one of the first things that attracted to me to the one-to-one diet was my consultant who was five foot two um so I thought oh well someone at a similar height can get down to a weight so I can too but basically like she said to me one of the first things was someone who is small if you gain half a stone it's like gaining um a dress size essentially um and it's so apparent and I very much felt like that like people would say to me I didn't realize that you were that big but I was um but it was just, I wasn't carrying it as well <laughs> as I thought I was. Well, you can blame genetics for that. You know, you you can't can't help how you know your height. That's something. But it's just like so there's there's obviously advantages and disadvantages, and, and that's something I, I'd guess you know if you are if you're not so tall, um, but it's more noticeable. And, and you said it was after your daughter was born that the 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 weight piled on. I think you said exactly, and and so was this you know following the pregnancy that you had just continued to gain weight what happened there yeah so in in my pregnancy I probably got up to about um 13 stone-ish I think between 13 and 14 when I was pregnant um and I had my daughter and then it was I can't describe it, but it was like I disappeared. Um, I kind of had created this new identity for myself. I didn't know who I was in terms of, like, my body was different. I felt different. I just had this child and I didn't have my mum. And I kind of spiralled into this, what I know now, pit of postnatal depression. Um and that really kind of messed with my eating and with my um, 
kind of how I saw myself in a way, um, which spiraled on the idea of my secret eating and binge eating and emotional eating that progressed to me getting to um, nearly 16 stone. Okay. So, so for you, obviously, considering you had been at nine and a half and, and gone up to 16, this it must have been quite difficult for you, as, and even more so if you were dealing with postnatal depression at that time, because that in itself is, is a very difficult time to, to manage or go through. And th- there's so many things, as we said earlier, that, you know, when you have a child that change and you're tired all of the time, you don't have as much time for yourself anymore. I say don't have as much time. You have almost no time for yourself anymore. And, and I would imagine, you know, just the fact that you mentioned your mum there as well, that it's a moment where you were probably missing her much more than you had in previous years since her passing. And it just must have been very difficult for you for a number of reasons, Holly. Yeah, and it was fairly, um, so it was about five years between her passing and then um, we have my daughter, that it was just, I kind of felt like since she passed, I was on, I kind of describe it as like this treadmill, that I was, okay, I was training to be a teacher, so I was carrying on doing that. And then I got engaged, then I got married, then it was a house, then a baby, and then all of a sudden you've got this brand new baby and you actually stop for the first time to process things in five years and that's when the grief hit at the same time. Um, and I think that was the first time I actually processed it. And the way that I processed it was using food as a crutch, essentially. And you mentioned secret eating and binge eating. And mm-hmm. what, what, how did that take shape for you? Was it something, I mean, obviously, I, I know what binge eating, secret eating are, but it, it kind of manifests differently for different people. And, and was it something that was happening on a daily basis for you was it a case of you know when you were going through a specifically difficult moment that you would turn to food how did how did that look for you so my husband works nights so often it was I'd kind of save that point um to secret eat for the evenings um where the baby had just gone down or when she was a toddler that sort of I had that time for the first time to myself and I didn't want anyone to know what I was doing because it was, obviously I knew the shame attached to it and I knew what it was doing, but it made me feel better. And that was the one time that I had something for me in a sense. Um, So I literally, whatever I could get my hands on sweet wise, and then I would just hide the fact that I'd done it or if it, was I was out and about, it would be a drive-through, but then I'd hide it. So there would always be that knowledge that I knew it wasn't right and that I'd have to hide it. Um, do you think it was part of the kind of mental battle with it? Of course. Um, but it would be mainly, mainly chocolate or anything, but it would just be trying to have something that would make me feel better, essentially. Um, but there is no tin of chocolate big enough to <laughs> to make me feel better to to replace my mum essentially. Um, 
and to give me the time that I needed as a new mum. Of course. And so, again, it's, it's almost liking it to an addiction. You, you, you kind of chase that to try and have that feeling of feeling better. And, and as you said, it doesn't bring any true happiness. Um, quite the opposite, actually, because then afterwards, that feeling of shame, the feelings of guilt that appear, um, making it cyclical, almost, that, you know, you kind of, it's very hard to break out of that. And all the time that that's happening, just solely focusing on the emotional side of things, there's also the physical side of things that are changing because of the weight gain that's coming as a result of that. And then... I would imagine there came a point where you realised, obviously, it's you can hide the food, you can hide the fact that you're stopping at drive-throughs mm-hmm. or eating chocolate in the evenings, but it's very difficult to hide the weight gain because it becomes apparent. Yeah, yeah, one hundred. So I, um, I, I kind of think that I didn't see it properly. Um, obviously, noticed that I wasn't fitting into a certain size anymore, but I still kind of in my head didn't see how big I'd got um and at one point I think she was fairly young I did sign up for a slimming group but it didn't work and I had done that slimming group before um and I had previously lost like a, a few stone on it but this time after having a child my body had changed and I was now what in my early 30s that my body had just gone, no, it's not working now. And I kind of didn't know where to turn. Um, and I just kind of deflected it and stopped seeing myself um, as that side. I think I kept kind of pushing the idea that I was big away. And again, in a different way than I described before, developed kind of like body dysmorphia. Because before when I was thin and I saw myself as bigger, now... I I didn't want to see what I'd created essentially. Almost in a state of denial, I would say. Yeah, um, completely. And and that's something very very common because, on top of everything else, you're dealing with having to admit that to yourself that okay, this is a result of my actions. It is for many people at that moment just one step too far, and and something that you're not prepared or or ready to to face emotionally. Um, and you said, you know, you tried a, a slimming group and, and that hadn't worked the second time around. And, and one question I want to ask, if I could, Holly, like if I ask you to look back at that, do, do you honestly believe, and, and this isn't me judging or criticising, I want to say that first of all, but <laughs> do you honestly believe that it didn't work that time around? Or, or do you think perhaps you didn't approach it in the same way because of everything you'd been through? Did you I see think, what I mean there? Yeah, I think those slimming groups work for people, but I think it didn't work for me, and particularly that time round, because telling me that I can eat as much pasta as I want, I haven't got the self-constraint built up there, because I will just eat as much pasta as I want. Describing that like as a free food in my head... I could not kind of control that kind of portion because I would just eat to fill the empty pit of like emotion in a way. Um, so 
that didn't work for me because I needed the kind of to develop the discipline and the control and the no I don't need all of that um so I know that they work for people but for me and where I was emotionally it didn't work for me at that point for that reason and and that was the point I was kind of leaning in towards a little because I mean if a plan and and you've given a few clues as to which one it is mm. <laughs> talking talking freely and I, I think but like you said it does work for for people and and it could probably work again for you but it depends on your mindset and the way that you approach it and and the control you're able to have or discipline you're you're able to apply to that in that moment and, and that's why I asked if you thought it was the fact the plan had stopped working because you were older um or, or just because for you emotionally that wasn't the right plan for you at that moment and I think it's a very valid point that you raise there that without that control or discipline, being told you can eat as much of something as you want and then knowing that you are emotionally eating or binging, it's kind of tempting the worst possible outcome because on one side you're being told, no, that's absolutely fine, this, this behaviour is okay. But then everybody knows you know, there has to be a limit because otherwise it won't work and you know, calories in versus calories out rules above everything else yeah completely um so so was there a specific moment then holly when you decided okay enough's enough i I, i'm going to do something was there a moment when you you know made a decision okay i'm gonna make a concerted effort to lose weight now yeah um it was for my 30th birthday i had ordered a dress and I was going out with my friends and uh, I was like, oh, I'm air on the side of caution. I'll order a 20. Bearing in mind, I was a size 8, 10 when I was 21. Um, ordering a size 20 and then for it to arrive and barely fit me. Um, that for me was a real moment. Um, and one of the things that I ha- haven't previously mentioned so my when my mum died, um, on her birth certificate, they put um, obesity as a se- secondary cause to her death, um, which was due to co- medical complications. It wasn't just um, obesity, but she was in the 20s when she died. And I think it was that trigger number of being a size 20 and knowing that it didn't fit and that probably a 22 would have fit, uh, fitted. And that was a scary place to be when that number in my head linked to my mum's death, in a, in a sense. Um, and looking back at that picture now, I use it all the time as my before pictures in a red blazer dress where the belt is barely done up. Um, and thinking, I should have been on my 30th birthday in something that I felt comfortable in and I just looked absolutely miserable um and that was the point for me of I'm digging myself a grave with my knife and fork um and it's me no one else I don't have anything else to kind of put excuses on it was 100% me and I don't want to live like this and that was pretty much um it but I had to kind of build up the courage after that to figure out what I was going to do. And one thing I'll ask, 
because you said you look back at the photos of your 30th birthday and, and it should have been a moment that you were enjoying, but you, you were miserable. And then having that ability, just, just being able to say, you know what, this is on me. Nothing, you know, no, this isn't for anybody else to change this. If, if I want to be healthier, I have to do it. That in itself, keeping in mind everything you've been through emotionally and the struggles that you've had, that must have been quite a difficult moment to come through, come to. But at the same time, a very, I would say, uplifting one at the same time. Like to be able to take ownership for it for probably the first time in a number of years. Yeah, and I think it took a while. Like it was only like reflecting back on those photos and seeing a similar pattern that I was able to go, no, this is me. Um, and it was hard because I was, I'd excused my behaviour for so long and I'd blamed it on grief and I'd blamed it on postnatal depression, but essentially it was me and I can't look at those pictures and dislike what I'm seeing because I'm the one that's doing that to myself. Um, so it did take a while for me to kind of have a penny to drop as such. Um, but I disliked what I saw from then, but then I didn't actually sign up to plan until, um, my 31st birthday. So it was a year after. And during that year, did your weight stay the same more or less? Or did you did you still struggle with binge eating and, and everything that you had been struggling with? Yeah, I, I mean, it increased probably. Um, because, it, yeah, I probably increased a bit and then stayed kind of, I was sitting at probably a twin, between 20 and 22, but I would not buy a 22 in my head. I would not buy it. So... I was probably more of a 22, but refused to buy that. And then on your 31st birthday, you made that decision and, and you signed up to the one-to-one diet. Yeah, it was actually another dress that I'd bought for that birthday, which should have been pleated. Um, and I put it on and realised that I'd actually stretched out all the pleats. And on me, it doesn't look pleated. And I think looking back at that was kind of a really big reflection of, well, this is not how it's supposed to look. You didn't like the picture the year before and you've done nothing about it. Now is the time. Um, and I stumbled across an Instagram video and I saw this, this girl... And I was like, no way, no way has she done that, this real. And that that was it. And that was how I found plan, essentially. And then you signed up, did you, it was it easy to find a group close to you or a consultant, sorry, that was, was near to you? So um, since COVID, the one-to-one um, plan by the Cambridge Weight Plan, we can now do it completely remotely. So... I could find any consultant in the UK that I wanted that I found a kind of connection with. They didn't have to be local. Um, See, I did initially look at someone local to me and then I realised that you can do it remotely and that was just something that appealed to me and I 
actually found Rachel, who was the consultant of the girl in the video, who was Georgie. Um, and I thought, wow, if she can help her do that, then she can help me. And then there was all these different connections between myself and Rachel that I just felt drawn to her. And I think that's the biggest advice that I'd give for anyone who's looking at the one-to-one diet is find a consultant that you find that connection with. It doesn't have to be someone that's local. And I'd say probably for some people as well, the fact that you don't have to find somebody local could even be an advantage or, or make you feel better about it. Because for a lot of people, when they start losing weight, whether it's going to a group, whether it's you know having a, a coach, whether it's a personal trainer, you never know who that person knows. And that can also be quite a daunting thing to, to try. And you want to keep that distance or while your barriers are still up, at least, and you, you might not be feeling so sure about yourself. Having that little additional piece of being anonymous or, or not having to meet that person in the aisle of Tesco, for example, yeah. it, it can be a better, you know, more comforting thought. So I can imagine for a lot of people, that's also a benefit. And tell me about, you know, the first couple of weeks of the, the plan and, and what that involved for you. So when I had the consultation with Rachel, which was all virtual, it was uh, a video call. It was about finding the right step for you. And this was the best thing that I liked about the one-to-one diet, that there was so many different options. Like it wasn't just like, okay, here's some shakes, go. Um, It was finding a thing that would work for me and the rigorous medical background check as well. Um, Because I had tried another shake diet um, during my period of... Uh, postnatal depression after the slimming group didn't work um but that was one where with no support I was doing it at home um there was no accountability and this just seemed to breathe a new breath of fresh air essentially that there was someone that was going to support me they were putting me on the step that I wanted to go on um that was right for me and the medical check just seemed like it was obviously well thought out which the plan is um so after that we decided to completely take away food so I went on what we call 1b um where it's total meal replacement there is zero food and I stayed on four products a day for for up to I stayed for nine weeks and then I moved up the steps um but that first week or two obviously when you're taking food away there is like there are headaches um and you've got to build up that self-control that I didn't have before of these are the four things that I'm having and that is it um and that was part of the, the process in those first few weeks and that kind of made me feel better about myself that I could do that after years of secret eating and binge eating I was having four things a day and that was it and I was sticking to it and I felt like I was building up this kind of self-belief. And then just one thing about that actually Holly because this was something I remember from my conversation with Lucy specifically about the one-to-one diet was that for her when she spoke about it it took away the thinking 
about food it took away that worry about you know okay what am i going to eat today and then instead of having a smaller portion you end up having an extra portion or or do you know what i mean or eating more than you should according to your plan because you don't have that control or didn't have that confidence in yourself at that time to have that control whereas with this like you said it was four products they were your four products there was nothing more nothing less that was it um and, and that i think can be quite refreshing um for, for somebody who has such a tight emotional connection to food because there's no in between it is what it is and that's what you have and although it's quite a drastic change i think for some people it can be required and, and help you to have that reset that you perhaps needed yeah and i speak to my slimmers um and they say i need to say no to food i need to get rid of that as kind of an instrument to support my emotions at the moment just for that short period of time so you can develop that constraint and for me it was I've put this investment in in time and financially I'm not going to throw things away by ruining it or having something that was completely off plan so I just stuck to my four products and my water which was the key ingredient for nine weeks and then I started to see a bit of a plateau which is when I moved up the steps okay and and I'm conscious of time so I'm not going to have you explain each of the steps to me one by one but am I right in saying that obviously you start at the first step which is almost restrictive and and you don't have any food at all like you said you you have the products that are within the, the plan and then the steps themselves as you progress become more broad and closer to a, a, what I would call a normal diet of, of eating more varied food. Is that fair to assume? Um, the step you start correct, on, me. yeah, the step you start on isn't always the lowest. So different things um, change which step you are actually allowed to start on. So, for example, um, if you are male or you are tall you can't go on the lower steps in a way or if there are sort of medical um issues if you're on certain medications things like that like i said before the medical um protocol that you have to go through is so rigorous that it won't actually let you go on something too low if it's not going to benefit you and some people actually choose to start on like a higher step um just to to really control their calories and have done amazingly so it's not 100% you have to go on this it is all about finding the right thing for that person essentially okay but the the range itself goes from obviously the most restrictive where you're not eating any food to the most open where you're you're consuming more calories and and more foods but of course you have to find what suits you along that journey and you as i understand it you can move backwards and forwards as you need to depending on your progress and how you're feeling at the time yeah okay fantastic and so during this first nine weeks what what happened tell me i'm interested to know um so i think my first week i lost something like six and a half pounds or maybe more than that um and i lost weight 
fairly rapidly. Um, apart from like there'd be one week in the month, which would obviously um, be due to the woman's cycle, where you see it all the time with slimmers, they have a small week. Um, and I just kind of got in the swing of things. I was so used to it and the headaches had passed and I actually felt so much better energy-wise because the products themselves give you your daily recommended um, nutritional needs. They give you all your vitamins and minerals that you need in those products so you're not actually becoming deficient in anything. And I felt better than when I'd been having kind of conventional food as such. Um, And I started to see a change but the change was more in me physically than on the scales so I um lost inches actually more than um pounds to start off with and I can imagine for you Holly as you've described throughout this conversation about obviously never wanting to go higher than a size 20 and the clothes that you had bought for your birthdays that hadn't fit fitted you as you would have wanted them to by losing the inches I'm sure the clothes started fitting you better quite quickly which must have been a welcome relief yeah and I think people saw a change more quickly but then you have that battle of well the scales aren't doing that (laughs) and I think it was just I remember posting and saying if I'd never done my inches if I'd never taken the pictures I probably would have given in at some point because my losses seemed to plateau. Um, but looking back, I and mean, compared to other plans, they were actually quite quick. Um, but it was just... I, I started comparing myself to other people's journeys and everybody's different. Um, but my inch loss, and to date... Um, my lovely consultant Rachel says my inch loss has been one of the best inch losses that she's ever seen um, and probably just because I'm small in a way I don't know or I, I really don't know but it has happened <laughs> and it, it was just something that really helped me on those weeks where I had smaller losses it's great, and 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 that's the thing that the the victories, the the non-scale victories that we we talk about, and and people celebrate, they they manifest in different ways, and the scale itself is, it should never be the only thing that you're considering, and definitely not something to become obsessed about, because it is it's that moment where you glance at your reflection as you're walking past you know a shop and you see yourself, you know like, okay I look different or uh, you, something fits differently, and and these are the things that. I believe longer term make the the big difference, and um, so so you went through that, and you know, uh, did you stay at the same step after that first nine weeks? You changed steps and went to something that was more open or allowed more food. What what did you do? Yeah, so in the first nine weeks, I I had lost quite a bit, so I'd lost a stone in three weeks, um, and by week nine, in total. I was just shy of two stone, um, which in two months, two stone is an insane amount. But in my head, I'd started to become bored with with the products, essentially. And I wanted that freedom. I wanted to cook because that was something that I enjoyed. And we, we started to see the plateau 
So we spoke with my consultant and decided that I'd go to step two, which is the exact same amount of calories, but you replace one of the products with a 200 calorie evening meal, which was basically uh, veg and protein. And that was something that I was giving myself as time to give back to me, to be able to cook and to, to enjoy food again. And, and how did that feel for you? And, and the reason I ask, Holly, is because you, you, you mentioned something there that I think is key in that after only eating these four products or, or drinking these four products every day for nine weeks, you became bored with them. And, and I think that for anyone listening to this who hasn't done the one-to-one diet or has a preconception that, you know, this is not a sustainable way of losing weight and, and isn't a healthy way of losing weight. I mean, ultimately, you're putting yourself in a calorie deficit and whether or not you do that by eating less food, whether you substitute that food for calorie, you know, for the other products, um, even though you're getting all your vitamins and minerals, I can understand why at that stage you would become bored of it and and would imagine that for a lot of people that's quite a a dangerous line between getting bored and going back to as they were previously or feeling confident to then making a change like you did and, and reintroducing even though it's a small meal some food and and do you find as a consultant that that is quite a pivotal moment for some people yeah and i think the phrase that we like to use which was used to me at the time was um stepping up rather than stepping off um because when you become bored or a bit complacent and with the products <laughs> There are over 40 products to choose from, so there's a massive range. But when you've done it for two months, you kind of need that extra bit. And for me, when my losses slowed, I kind my body was basically telling me that I needed the food. Um, and to, to step up was a better option than me getting bored and then just having cracking one day, essentially. Um and that was the best choice I ever made for stepping up. And one of my swimmers has actually stepped up last week and she was like, oh my goodness, why didn't I do this sooner? Um, and it was just, it does just change that whole journey for you and you appreciate food more. And this is where I started to appreciate what I could get for my calories. And, and I, I guess for you, because it was done in a controlled way, Again, going back to as you were previous to starting this, having that, having those rules or at least that plan in front of you probably felt easier to manage than if you were just to go back and say, okay, now I'm going to eat whatever I want again and, and made it yeah. more manageable for you. Yeah. Um, go on, sorry. And it was just, it was little baby steps. It was the same amount of calories that I was on, but it was just the fact that I had to, I had control and I had to weigh it out. Like all the weights are there ready for you. But so there was that control, but then there was that freedom element as well, which of I course. think was really, it's really important when you're battling things like emotional eating, binge eating, secret eating, that you feel in control, but there is that element of creativity and freedom. For sure. Absolutely. And now, I mean, you've, you said you've lost five and a half stone in total yeah which is amazing congratulations and where are you now in terms of 
the steps and for people who don't follow one-to-one what does your your daily eating look like currently okay so when i got to goal which was um six and a half months after starting plan um i was on step three which was uh two of our products a day which would total 400 calories and 600 of my own calories that i would track that's what i was when i got to goal i stayed on that kind of thousand calorie step for a while um and now as soon as i got to goal i had to increase to two, um 200 more calories and that is my own choice so it's two products a day and now um well as of last week 800 calories um which i have to track and can choose what i would like which is a whole new set of rules because you're not just living off products that are easy to manage um and it's what we call reverse dieting so you you are slowly moving out it's not oh i've got to go and now i'm back where i was i've got to reverse my way out by increasing the calories and learning to not be as dependent on the products as i was to start off with and how's that going for you? Uh, scary place. <laughs> uh, it's a really scary place. I think someone who really doesn't want to put that weight back on. Um, it's hard because you've been so dependent for so long on this. This is what works for me and this calorie deficit that now I've got this freedom again which is what scared me in the first place about other plans. Um, but I have enjoyed my life. I've been out for meals and been out to, been able to celebrate now and then be able to get straight back on my calories and know that actually I can enjoy food without the guilt attached to it because I know that I'm learning to to maintain that weight loss and that I'm adding in exercise and things now that are going to help to keep me where I am. And that's great. And and I mean, it, the reverse dieting, the maintenance, but you're you're really just starting a new chapter as part of your journey. And and having lost that weight as quickly as you did, it must. Although for you, I'm sure the different steps are very defined, and each milestone has probably felt like, in some cases, you've been doing it for months and months and months before you changed, and now you're at a new milestone and a new journey. And and you raised, you know, thank you for your honesty in saying that it's a bit of a scary place because I, I can appreciate why that would be. And you mentioned before about freedom and how that in itself could be a risk for yourself. But what I will say is, by ha- having heard you talk about it and the journey you've been on by slowly going back to reintroducing food and and upping your calories that are actually consisting of meals that you've cooked you're doing it gradually so I I would guess that unless you were to go from one extreme to the other and then start you know eating without control you have got the path in front of you to maintain this weight loss and to turn it into a sustainable way of eating what I would call normal food on a daily basis. Yeah, and that's where the one-to-one diet is not a 
fad crash diet and you put it all back on the maintenance steps that are there in place to support you if done properly work um and there's plenty of people out there who have maintained their losses for like 10 years because it teaches you that you can have those things but you've got to listen to your body listen to um what exercise you're doing to kind of help if you have those kind of more indulgent days and that and at the end of the day you can enjoy food but it's not to like I said before as that emotional crutch it doesn't have to to be that reason um and the reverse dieting process for me has really taught me that yes I can have a bagel within my calories but I shouldn't have that every day and it's that those choices that we make that change our relationship with food that for me has been developed over 20 years I've really started to change my mental relationship and I think that's something that you know like you said trying to to change habits of over 20 years you shouldn't set yourself up to believe that can be done from one day to the next because there's so many things hardwired into just daily habits the way you think the way you view food but you have a plan and and by using that plan i believe it can work for you holly and and will continue to work for you and you know i i I wish you the best with that because like i said you are still quite early into this journey in the grand scheme of things and what i would love nothing more than, than to invite you back onto the show six months down from here and find out how you've continued to progress and how you've reintegrated in, into eating more cooked food and and how that has developed for you would you would you be happy to come back on the show yeah of course <laughs> i would be scared then <laughs> no no of course and, and I, I i honestly appreciate you allowing to show that vulnerability of, of being scared and saying it you know and being honest about it because that's something that takes courage but it's also something that I would imagine many, many people feel regardless of whether it's been a one-to-one, whether you've done Slimming World, whatever way you've lost weight, there's always that moment where you make that decision, okay, I'm going to stop doing what I was doing and then now I'm going to try this instead. And and this is something that I think is more gradual in some Slimming plans. With this, I think there's obviously quite a big definition between eating products a liquid based and then moving to food gradually but at least it's done in a gradual way it's not from one it's not like day and night going from one extreme to the other as I said because I I think it's that in between where you can find the control where you can find what works for you and slowly get used to living that life where you're eating food in a controlled way and changing that relationship you have with it I think also the variety that the one-to-one diet has it doesn't make you feel like you are missing out. Um, like it's not just a shake. Like I was eating uh, porridges, chocolate bars, chocolate bites, um, spaghetti bolognese, also like the variety that was there allowed me to feel like I was just eating normal food, but it was helping me lose weight. And I think that was what separates it from other kind of shake based plans is that there is so much variety that you don't feel like you are 
limiting yourself or you're punishing yourself you're actually like my favorite thing at the end of the night was to have one of the chocolate bars or the chocolate bag uh, bag of bites because that was my treat at the end of the day and the fact that I could have chocolate and lose weight was great oh, of course oh, that's the dream I mean anyway you know, <laughs> if you can eat chocolate and lose weight that's you know that's, that's winning that's happiness right there and Holly, I'm sure there's going to be lots of people who would like to to follow in your journey and, and and have a look at the journey you've been on. You've got some amazing photos on your Instagram account, and um, you, you know, share the journey you've been on, which I think would be very motivating and and supporting to a lot of people. So, where can people find you on Instagram if they'd like to come and see you? So I'm at one to one dot dethorning the rose. Um, my whole journey's on there, and. Obviously, I think some my pictures and my reels often speak for themselves, and and show you that amount of like weight loss that I've had, and what it looks like size wise. Because like we said before, um, on someone smaller, I looked worse when I was bigger. But now, actually, five and a half stone, I've technically halved when I look at what, what I am now size wise. So it's all over on that account perfect i'll pop a link into the show notes so people can come and find you and, and obviously when this episode's published i'll also put a link on there on my own instagram account so people can come and find you what advice would you give people holly for anybody who would like to lose weight um i think the biggest advice is just if you are in the right headspace and you have that drive to do it and this is it you have no other option, do it now. Jump on that. Grab the bull by its horns. Do it now because if you don't do it now, you're going to regret it um, and have that reason why. We always say, like I say to my own uh, slimmers, the reason why has to be big enough. It has to be the thing that's going to pull you through on those hard days. So if you have found that reason why and if you have literally had enough, do it now and it would be the best thing that you ever do. I absolutely love that. And Holly, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story and being our latest weight loss warrior. As I said, it would be awesome to have you back in a few months time and find out how your journey's progressed and how you've continued. And, you know, it'd be, I'm sure, another series of things to tell us and, and experiences that you'd like to share with us. So I'd look forward to that. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Take care of yourself and we'll speak soon. Thank you. Thank you, Holly. Bye-bye. I'd also like to say a big thank you to you, our listeners. I appreciate you joining us at the Weight Loss Warrior podcast and would love that you become part of our tribe. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast to never miss a new Weight Loss Warrior tell their story. We share brand new episodes every single Monday and Thursday and hope that you join us next time. You can also find us on Instagram where we share great tips and advice on how you can lose weight in a safe and sustainable way. Simply search for Weight Loss Warrior Podcast and follow us today. Remember, be kind to yourself and keep looking forward. You can achieve your goals.